0: Hi everyone, I'm your host Daniel Lee, and welcome to OMD Daily, a podcast about investing in people. Every Monday to Friday, I share with you what I learned the day before from studying people and companies through conversations, whether it's through interviewing investors and business leaders to reading books and financial reports, and digesting learnings from all the other storytelling mediums out there. The goal is to build my own PhD in combining human performance with investing to figure out how I can help leaders build utopian companies. By exploring my own curiosity, I hope to become a little wiser every day and hope this adds a little nugget of learning to you on a daily basis. Hey everyone, welcome back to OMD Daily. This is the June 17th, 2020 episode. Uh, So this is also a different one I'm trying out. Um, It's actually, I'm just going to talk about a pretty major entry I made into my investment decision journal. Um, So I guess I'll just kind of give a backdrop. I've been keeping an investment decision journal for every kind of major, I'd say, transaction or even thought I have in regards to my investments um, and my portfolio. Just so I can keep a separate journal to review uh, various actions and just to write down my thoughts as well. Um, Even those things I have in the shower, which I think are great ideas, I'll try to write it down and specifically on the investing side. And yesterday was a pretty big... I would say decision for me. Um, I, I guess I kind of executed on selling off a big loss position for myself, and this was the largest position I realized as a loss. Um, it's, I think there definitely is a huge psychological difference between realizing a loss and having an unrealized loss. Um, if you're not familiar with the terms, when you realize it is when you actually. You know, you sell ownership in the company, but when it's unrealized, it's when you still hold on to it and there is a bit of the sunk, the sunk cost feeling there when you just see the red numbers, but you kinda at least for me, the there's obviously the hope and the feeling that, yeah, but if it comes back then I won't be in the red anymore. And it's as much as it's a rookie mistake and a very amateur mindset, um, yeah, I think it's at least for me it's something I definitely feel. Uh and I definitely try to not fall victim to it in most cases, but I think this was a particularly uh, tough one for me, and so that's why I thought it'd be pretty cool to talk about it. Um, I'm not going to disclose the specific business that I sold, but I'll just tell you, it it was a business in the cannabis sector, and I think that kind of gives you an idea of what kind of company it was and given the hype in the sector. So on an overview, I think um, the position got to as big as, I think, around 40% of my portfolio. And let's say in my total net worth, I have more like a um, 90% of my net worth is invested in in my portfolio and have more like a 10% cash position. And so, yeah, this was 40% um, roughly, I'd say, on a cost basis. And by the time I sold out of it, I think I shaved off about 15% of my net worth, which, you know, it's it's not as big, I guess, uh, when you consider, you know, quote unquote, traditional blow ups where people lose 50% of the portfolio etc but I guess for me um, because I'm running my own money and um, you know I've been also in a period where I haven't really been I haven't been working in a full-time job so I haven't had income coming in so a 15% net worth is a pretty big hit for me because it's a lot of um, I guess it also shaves off months in my runway in building out OMD ventures as well so it's, it, it was a hard pill to swallow, and um, yeah, I think it's definitely... I'll kind of talk about... I guess I'll kind of start with how I feel after doing it. Uh, after the market closed and I practically realized the sell of um, my positions, I definitely felt better <laughs> about it. I was very relieved, and I was really happy that I did it. Um, Obviously there's always kind of regret like I should have done it when there was a bit of a pop in the stock price uh, throughout Um, but at the same time you just can't ever predict that. It's more so I think this is more closure which I really needed and it was going to be something that helped me sleep at night. Um, It's like what I think it's uh, Phil Fisher's second book where he talks about um, I think the title is something like "Investors who sleep well at night" or something, or in, or invest so that you can sleep well at night. And this position was something that was painful for me, and I think it probably nagged in my subconscious thoughts a lot. Um, and I do feel like over the two year period that I held this investment, it probably impacted my investment performance in so many negative ways. Obviously, there's the opportunity cost, um, where my forty percent of my capital basis tied into a business that um, I shouldn't have held in such a huge position um, and all the negative kind of, I think mental factors of how that played into the rest of my portfolio and how I invested um, and obviously to the impact of the growth of my capital, like the fact that I couldn't, I didn't invest 40% um, into better companies that could have actually enhance, enhanced um My net worth, I think, and the value of my portfolio was a huge opportunity cost, um, especially during this COVID time when the market had a huge rebound and I was able to, um, I think, buy into a lot of great businesses and kind of rotate my portfolio out. I think if I had pulled the trigger sooner on this particular mistake, um, the effects would have been much better. But yeah, I'll just kind of. I think I'm, as I reflect on this, I'm kind of reading through what I wrote down in my journal. It's a pretty long entry um, as I just kind of vomited my thought, and I'll just, And this is kind of just going to be once again more of a monologue, but it'll be less structured and just kind of me riffing on thoughts and some new thoughts that come up as I talk. So, the history of the position is that the position started with a one to two percent weighting two years ago up above, I think. And that's kind of more standard for me, especially for businesses that I think have a huge potential. Like, it's one of those businesses that I think can either be a zero or, you know, a hero. Like, it'll be, you know, you know easily 10, 20, maybe even like 50x. A hundred bagger would be the ideal, right? And I've always put on those kinds of small positions. Um, and so this was nothing new, um, but there definitely was a bit of a bias because... I invested in another cannabis company previously. This was way back before cannabis was even cool. (laughs) This was back when I was in university. And I put that position on. um, It was once again another really small weight. It was I think maybe even like a 1% weight of my portfolio. And over a four-year period when I held it, I think four or five years, I held it. um, It was a 65X. um, It was a 65 bagger. And that's been, I'd say, the biggest uh, investment success I've had, although it was a really small position, but it it became a pretty material part of my overall portfolio as a result. And I'd be lying to you if I said I didn't hope for a similar result with this investment. Um, I did more, I'd say slightly more scuttlebutt than I did with the first cannabis investment. Like I spoke to more people in the industry, um, a mix of cannabis as well as pharma, because I, the play I was making, um, had an intertwined in the medical space, so I wanted to get a better understanding of that. Um, reading more of the government documents to get an understanding of the market, and but obviously, I think it the amount of research I did, the, the amount of conviction I had, should have I should have kept it at a two percent weighting um, because yeah, like I I honestly didn't know that much about the business, and the business was still young. Um, so on a risk basis, that that's what I should have done. But I think it was also another big learning. I think it's just on the importance of investing and the mental psyche you have at a particular point in your life. So I increased the position from a two percent to close to like a you know I think it first the first wave was making it more like a twenty five percent weight or close to thirty percent weight um, because. Of a time, this happened in, in a time of my life where I want to say it was about maybe a year in into um, just going on my journey of building OMD Ventures. And it was a tough time for me. It was a lot of, um, I was depressed a lot. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. And, you know, to be frank, there was a lot of envy as well. Like, I knew the, the decisions I had made to, go on this kind of weird career path and to continuously um, explore and try to create a position that didn't, ex- I felt that didn't exist, that would utilize uh, my skill sets the best. And it was a very frustrating time because I was constantly coming up on, you know, various obstacles and walls and just really struggling. And around me, um, you know, there's obvious, there are just many various cases of, you know, friends with stock options and you know pretty fast growing companies that would IPO or and you know just making big banks out big banks out of that even though you know they may not have ever um, put much consideration into their career like it just kind of like things just happened and the job offer came and it just like all worked out and obviously I'm downplaying this and obviously I'm just talking about it from someone who was envious and but I think that's that's the big thing where there's a lot of envy and no matter how many times I try to kind of talk it through and and tell myself yeah like I'm I only see one side of the external story like I don't really know what's going on and everyone leads a different life and I think it was still hard for me um, especially given my own situation where you know I was used to making an x amount and my my relationship with money was still I'd say developing Um, I think like right now, I'm at a very happy place with what I'm doing, and but it was only after I think two years of not actually having a biweekly like paycheck that I became become more comfortable with what I'm doing and kind of not really desiring it, not caring about it, um, not caring how much other people make. But it took time and a lot of I think work to go through that and a lot of angst. But what I'm just saying is. I put this position on during like during the heat of all that, and it reminds me of how I think for some cases, like for hedge fund investors, like people talk about how investors and LPs will pull money when a fund manager goes through a divorce, etc., or like um, how CEOs who go through personal tra- traumas in their lives, um, the company performance might not do as well, or like the stock will go down because of a result. And I think there really is a lot of um, things to say about that, like, because at least for me, my decision making was severely impaired. Um, I was extremely emotional. I was making, I made a huge decision that I should not have made. And I feel like it cost me in so many ways, Um, not just financially, but just mentally as well, because of the position I put on and I think the kind of drag it created um just in how i dealt with my portfolio and also just every other decision Um, i feel like it probably influenced it in many ways but i think that was a big thing where this purely was like the increase in position sizing was never warranted it Yeah, it's, it's, even as I think about it, I'm pretty upset at myself for doing that. And it's it's like what Sam Drunkenmiller talked about when people were asking about when he lost like $3 billion in uh, the dot-com bubble where he kept on saying he wouldn't invest, he wouldn't invest. He held out, held out, held out until he just couldn't do it anymore and he just wanted to take a nibble and he just went in big and he lost something like 40% of the fund with uh, he was managing with George Soros. And they asked him, did you learn anything? Um, what what did you learn from your mistakes? And Drunken Bullet said, "Well, he didn't learn anything because he knew he wasn't supposed to do any of that. But he just couldn't um, overcome his own emotions and psychology, and he ended up just committing um, the mistakes he he knew he shouldn't have done. And I think that's kind of similar. Where you know, I know I'm not supposed to have a forty percent position in a business. That's not great. I know I'm not supposed to." Um, Lament some costs and yes you kind of cut my losses um cut your losers quickly and you know pull the weeds and redeploy the capital when you realize you're wrong but yeah I guess that's just kind of what investing is really it's it's, for me at least it's learning more about myself and I think definitely because I made this uh huge error for me personally it's the biggest error I've made um I think the last time I made such a huge error that let that resulted in a permanent loss in capital so big was um, when early in my career, I invested in a, in a commodity-based, like mining, com- uh, zinc mining company, and it went like, bankrupt. So it just went from, you know, whatever whatever my cost basis was, and it just went to zero. So I lost everything there. So that was a big lesson. Um, luckily, I didn't lose that much at that time either. Um, that one, I made the right decision of making it a small position, and the small position blew up. But yeah, this was, I think the monetary, (laughs) the absolute monetary amount was much greater and it will reside as a huge mistake, I think, in my memory. And I think that's good. Like it's now going forward, I know at least I think I'm going to try to keep to having most positions, maybe starting at like a 10% weight, um, depending on conviction, just on like a cost basis. So if it grows past that, I will just let it ride, which has been the case for my other current big positions. Um, They've kind of say on a cost basis been about um, around 10% and I've just been letting them ride um, bigger and bigger in size but yeah I think it's the I it's embracing the idea of um, my largest positions should be the ones that I have the most convictions in but also just kind of businesses that and I guess conviction comes in many ways it's just the amount of confidence I have the positions that I'm happy like sleeping at night with and And on the other side, yeah, like I'll probably start with a lot of small positions um, because I think there's a big value in owning a stock um, compared to just studying about it. And so starting with small positions, maybe like 2% weightings to begin with, and then building the position up into what I feel comfortable. So if I feel like um, this is eventually a business that I really believe in, and yeah, maybe it'll become a 10% position buy on a cost basis standard, but... Yeah, I think that's something I'm going to consider. Um, yeah, I think I'm. As I think about, it, I'm pretty lucky I didn't get wiped out, <laughs> just given how this was just a stupid decision I made. But it's also something I felt like would be pretty fun to talk about, just because, um, at least for me personally, it is. A, it just went really against my entire investment philosophy to make this, and it was really a position that I took just purely on a desire for wealth. Um, just the get rich quick kind of idea and it's something you just can't achieve and no matter how many times i tell other people you can't do that you know i made the mistake i made the mistake of doing it myself and it's something i did because um of just issues in my own life and it just transpired into um, investing which i should never really do and maybe it's also another thing to keep in mind i should never make any investment decisions when i feel my uh mental state's not there, and this, and also, I, I actually put on a position for this, without writing any kind of report, any kind of, um, I think, thought, really, it was just completely emotional, and impulsive, and as much as I'm, in belief of making gut decisions, this was probably not a very good gut decision, so yeah, so this was a position I wanted to talk about, something I, um, I did, and, it kind it's kind of closing a chapter on a two year journey with a particular investment that was a kind of a bane, with <laughs> a thorn on my side for a very long time. Um, yeah, so that's kind of it. Uh, I hope to not make an, an investment like this in the future. I'll try to keep very cognizant of that. And yeah, it was definitely really different. Like I've had com- I've had investments that declined, you know, fifty percent. Um, as i was holding it but i've I've never felt i think the kind of gut-wrenching churn um, and i think that's also indicative of how little i knew about the business and how i really shouldn't have held it at all so yeah i hope uh this was somewhat insightful maybe this will um, be helpful for you in your own investment decision making especially during these rough times um but yeah that was my big learning and i hope to have you back on the podcast tomorrow take care